Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. Okay. And we will read through verse number one. By the way, if you're a guest, I, I want to just welcome you this morning. Thank you for coming. We're so very excited that you're here. Um, part of my routine, I try to tell the church, is to show up early on Sunday morning and pray for every single chair. I anoint every single chair with oil, and I pray over it in Jesus' name. So I want you to know where you sit today, this morning, I personally prayed over it for you, your family, for health, financial blessing, all of it, because I value you. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28, watch this. Come to me, Jesus says, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light, chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. And to eat. Okay, God bless you. You may be seated. Here we go. Now, I want to, the reason why this all came up is because the Lord began to deal with me about something. And I want to I convey that to you because I, I promise you it's applicable to everybody here as well. There is a newish word, relatively new, in Eastern culture and specifically in the Japanese society. The word is called kuroshi. If you do your own research, you will find the term kuroshi is literally translated as overworked to death. Overworked to death. Now, let me just give you a brief history. When I say newish word, um, it, the first case of Japan's kuroshi was reported in 1969 with a stroke-related death of a 29-year-old male in the shipping department of Japan's largest newspaper company. The term was actually invented in 1978 to refer to, refer to an increasing number of people suffering from the fatal, for, from fatal strokes and heart attacks, watch, attributed to overwork. In 1987, the Japanese Ministry of Labor began to publish statistics on Kuroshi, and in 1988, the Labor Force Survey reported that almost one-fourth of the male working employees worked over 60 hours per week. Now, I'm going to read to you a, a real-life example of Kuroshi. I have four of them, but I'm only going to read one for sake of time this morning. And uh, the, this, this article has this individual listed as Mr. A to protect his identity. But this is a true story. Mr. A worked at a major snack food processing company for as long as 110 hours per week. Not a month, per week. They found him dead of a heart attack at the age of 34. His death was recognized as a work-related, or I'm sorry, was, was recognized as work-related by the Labor Standards Office. Let me just read one more. Mr. B, a bus driver whose death was also recognized as work-related, worked 3,000 hours a year 
and he had never taken a day off in the last 15 years before he had this, had a stroke at the age of 37. If we think that's just foreign or, or just limited to Eastern society, I want to bring to your attention some data by the United States Bureau of Labor Statistics. They say this, that the, a, the average productivity per American worker has increased 400% since 1950. One way to look at this is that it should only take, at, the, at that rate, it should only take one quarter of the work or hours or 11 hours per week to afford the same standard of living as the worker in 1950, but that's not the case. Instead, we are working harder than ever. We are overstretched, overreached, overstressed, and getting the same result. There's a Stanford professor, his name's Jeffrey Pfeiffer, and he did a scientific analysis of the causes that lead to death at work, and he recently published a book, and he called this Dying for a Paycheck. In an interview with the Chicago Tribune, Pfeiffer said this, we found that there are basically 120 access deaths per year attributed to these 10 workplace conditions as they cause approximately 190 billion in incremental health care costs. That what, watch this, that makes the, the workplace the fifth leading cause of death in the United States higher than Alzheimer's, and higher than even kidney disease. The church, please hear me this morning, is not immune to this epidemic. And if I could also use this language, we are also infected by this mental disease to work harder than ever before. Please hear me, this is not God's pattern for our lives. This is not God's pattern for your life. So what is God's pattern? Listen, God's pattern is to observe a Sabbath. And we're going to talk about it. So I have, I have three points today dealing with, with the Sabbath. Three points dealing with the Sabbath. Okay, here's point number one. The Sabbath is a gift. The Sabbath is a gift. Now, before I get into my point, I want to ask you a question. If God specifically handmade a gift for you, would you want it? Of course. Okay, guess what he did? It's called the Sabbath. He did, and it's called the Sabbath. Now, here's, your, here's what you're going to say. Well, hold on a second. This seems a little legalistic. Are you preaching that we ought to observe the law? Because we know that the Sabbath was indeed part of the law, okay? But here's the, here's the difference. The Sabbath was not only part of the law, but it also predated the law. Tithing was also part of the law, but tithing predated the law and postdated the law. Jesus actually said, you ought to return the tithe. Matthew 23, 23, look it up. So the Sabbath, yes, it was under the law, but it postdated, it predated the law and Postdated the law. So there's a principle here that we've got to pay attention to because it shows up in Genesis 2 right on the day of creation. 
Okay, but before I get to Genesis 2, look at Mark chapter 2 and verse 27. Very important. This, this, we have to start from this premise. Mark 2, 27. And he, that's Jesus, said to them, said to you, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of the Man, Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. We've got to start with that principle. The Sabbath was made for you. You were not made for the Sabbath. Okay? If, if, if we view it as a principle of following a law from the Old Testament, Jesus would have said it differently. But here, Jesus made it very clear. And he said this. Listen, you were not created to be a slave to the Sabbath. What does that look like? That looks like people that have arguments over whether it's Saturday or Sunday. Those people missed the, the whole point. Just like the Pharisees missed the whole point. Jesus said, no, 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 no. You are not created to be a slave to the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for you. It was a gift that I created for you. Let me show you Genesis chapter 2, verse number 2. The Bible says this. This is day of creation. On the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day, watch, and sanctified it or made it holy or separated it. Because in it, he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Please hear me if you're saying, well, this is under the law and we shouldn't, we shouldn't follow this. This here is 2,500 years before the ceremonial law was given. Here's another good question, just uh, for, quickly, because a theologian, theologian's mind just runs. Why would God need to rest? Right? Because is it, God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. So, so we serve a God that doesn't need to rest. He can create and not rest. The word rest is where we actually get the word Sabbath. And it means to cease, to stop. God created for six days, and he stopped on the seventh day. Let me say it a different way. Your work week was created by God. He could have made it where you work seven days a week, but he set the example that, no, no, you're going to work six days a week, and then there's going to be a stopping or a cessation on the seventh day. So God made it holy. That means he, he set it apart. And again, this predated ceremonial law, there's, there's three forms of law. I don't want to get too, too, too deep this morning. You have ceremonial law, you have judicial law, and then you have the, the Ten Commandments, otherwise known as the moral law. Okay, Christ came to fulfill, but we know that the moral law is forever. You still can't go out and kill somebody because Jesus died on the cross. Can I get a witness? You still cannot steal from your neighbor. Just because Jesus died on the cross. You don't, have to cut a, you don't have to kill a goat to atone for your sins because Jesus did that for you. That's the difference between ceremonial and moral. Thank you. Okay, so <clears throat> Jesus said, hey, the Sabbath was not, you were not made to be a slave to the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for you. It is a gift. Also in Genesis 2, I'm wrapping up this point real quick, but I just, my brain's going. Also in Genesis 2, you know what else was given? Pattern for marriage. Marriage, God gave us the gift of marriage to solve the problem of loneliness. It's not good for man to be alone. 
okay? God gave the gift of the Sabbath as a blessing to solve weariness. Here's point number two. So the Sabbath is a gift. Here's point number two. The Sabbath is a command. Somebody say command. Somehow in the church, if, I, if we can just be transparent and honest, somehow in the church, we believe that we ought to not kill, right? If you are opposed to that, please don't let us know, okay? Please don't. We believe you shouldn't kill. We shouldn't believe you shouldn't steal, right? Do you believe that you should take the Lord's name in vain? Okay, good. Do you believe that you should covet? Oh, no, we we believe in 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 the in the moral law and the Ten Commandments that that there we don't believe that we should put other gods before our God, right? For some reason, the church believes that they should only have to follow nine out of the Ten Commandments because number four. And by the way, for what it's worth, the longest written commandment is about observing the Sabbath. Why is it that we think we can get away with only following nine but neglecting the one? Okay, it was a command to observe this before even Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments were given. So let me show you. Exodus 16, this is when Israel was wandering in the wilderness. Do you remember that? And they were hungry, and they, 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 were in, they were in trouble, and they were complaining because they were hungry. And so God says, I'm going to miraculously provide for you. And I'm not trying to squeeze in extra points, but my, my poor preacher brain is being overloaded right now. By observing the Sabbath, what does that mean? By committing to work six days and taking a day completely off, you provide the Lord with an opportunity to miraculously bless you. Okay, stop. I'm, I'm done. Exodus 16, 14. Okay, here we go. Watch. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. How many believe that, that <laughs> listen, God can bless you in ways that you are just like, I've never seen that coming. Verse number 23, skip down. Then he said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is the Sabbath rest. This is before the Ten Commandments were given. Tomorrow is a Sabbath day's rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you shall bake today and boil what you shall boil and lay up for yourself all that remains to be kept to morning. Watch so they laid it up till morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. Then Moses said, eat today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Pay very close attention. Today you will not find it in the field. You, I'm going to say it a different way. You will not find provision that you're looking for or working for in the field on what is supposed to be the Sabbath to the Lord. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. I want to remind you, 
I am not about to go into a homily, a sermon about church attendance because this is not dealing with church attendance. Verse number 27, now, because there's always, there's always these people, watch this. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day, here it is, bread for two days. I will miraculously provide for you. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Oh, this is so good. Okay. You may, you, may not, you may or may not be a tither. If you are a tither, tithers will tell you, tithers will tell you that 90% with God's blessing goes further than 100% cursed. So where does the cursing came from? Malachi says if we do not return, that there's a curse on the finances. But when we return, God lifts the curse. So tithers will tell you, well, listen, 90%, and this is my personal testimony, 90% with God's blessing has gone way further than when I've tried to do it on my own with 100%. Okay, hear me. Sabbath keepers will tell you that six days blessed will go further than what we try to do in seven. The relation is uncanny. You cannot mistake the relation between keeping the Sabbath and returning the tithe. Now, this is not a message on tithing. This is a message on finding and scheduling rest in your work week. Okay. Let me just get to the Ten Commandments because, yes, it was one of the Ten Commandments. It is part of the moral law. Exodus 30, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day it is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant, female servant. Your cat, God don't even watch your cattle working on the seventh day, nor your stranger who's within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that's in them and rested on the seventh day or ceased or stopped on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. He blessed it. and hollowed it or made it holy or separated it, okay? Application time. If I were to go to coffee with you, which I'd very much be for, at my, my, my choice of place, though, let me just, I chose. No, well, let's change it up. To your choice of place, and your choice is McDonald's, okay? And because you take me to McDonald's to get coffee, upon tasting it, I use the Lord's name in vain. Your pastor now. Would that cause you to maybe question, just maybe, my character as your pastor? If you caught me maybe just sneaking in your purse, 
and looking for some cat. Would that cause you to question my character as your pastor? If I refused to take a day off, would that cause you to question my character as your pastor? And the answer is no to that. And it's the same thing to God. Same thing. <laughs> people have people have asked me, and this, you know, I've had to repent. This, I've had to repent in, in my life because this is an area that God has revealed to me. It says, you are wrong that you think you can get more. You know what it is at its core? It's pride to think that I can work seven days a week to try to get things going and get things moving. Please hear me. I've had people call me and they say, hey, pastor, I know it's your day off, but. Listen, and I've called some of you and say, hey, I know I'm so sorry, Rochelle. I know it's your Saturday, but. I would never ask her to go kill somebody. I would never ask her to go steal something. I would never, I would never ask her to take the Lord's name in vain. Why would I ask her to violate the principle of the Sabbath? <laughs> it's the same thing. Here's the, here's, here's the reality. In man's eyes, somehow we see a difference. Murder, theft, idolatry. But in God's eyes, he doesn't see any difference. He doesn't see any. And I want to show you how serious this is to our Lord. Exodus 35 and verse number 1 says this, Then Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said to them, These are the words which the Lord has commanded you to do. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh day shall be a holy day for you, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. I will show you one example of a fulfillment of that in Numbers 15, 32. The Bible says that now while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day, and those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation, and they put him under guard because it had not been explained what should be done to them. Then the Lord said to Moses, this man must surely be put to death. Okay, here's the deal. You will not, thank God, you will not be put to death by not observing a Sabbath. But Paul talked about everything in the Old Testament was a foreshadowing. He also used the word example of, the, of things in the New Testament. An example to us in the New Testament. So listen, you may not, you will not be put to death for not observing a Sabbath day's rest. But listen, you may be very well working yourself to death. This is serious to God. Please hear me. Church, let me give you, I'm almost done. Church statistics. Here, here we go. Let's, 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 church statistics as it relates to pastors. Now, I'm not making this about myself. I want, but I'm, I'm going to show you how it relates to you after I'm done. But this is specifically to pastors. 
okay, church statistics as it relates to pastors. 75% of pastors report being extremely stressed. 90% work between 55 to 75 hours per week. 90% feel burned out, fatigued. 70% say they're grossly underpaid. 80% will not be in the ministry 10 years later. 8 out of 10 will not be in the ministry 10 years later. 100% of the 1,050 Reformed and Evangelical pastors had a colleague, and I fall into this category as well, who has left the ministry because of burnout, church conflict, or moral failure. I know of at least one. I know of more than one. 91% experience burnout. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to flow through these. 44% of pastors, nearly half, do not take a regular day off. 85% have never taken a sabbatical. A sabbatical is not a vacation. It's, it's just an extended uh, time away to reflect and recover. 85 has never taken a sabbatical. Now, listen, I told you in the beginning, I'm not trying to make this about me, but it's got to be understood. I've heard it said, and I've seen it come, come it, is, it is true in my experience that what a pastor does, a church leader does in moderation, the church will do in excess. Here's what it tells me. If I don't take a day off and I work seven days a week, then I highly doubt you're taking a day off. If I'm overextended and I'm stressed out to the max, that tells me that many of you are doing the same thing. And I felt the Lord speak to me over these last couple of weeks because there's a lot of you, you are spiritually exhausted, you are emotionally drained, and, and, and a lot of you are physically exhausted. Okay, hear me today. That is not God's will for your life. It's not God's will. Every, every, Everybody, but listen to me, every business owner, it is not God's will for you to get to the end of your week and feel like you want to tear your hair out. Everybody that works 40 hours plus, that's not God's will. Do you believe, do you believe, because our church is an anomaly in that probably nearly over 70% are tithers. So we understand that principle very good. Most churches are we're around the 20 percentile range, but, but we're, we're an exception. True Love Church is an amazing church. So we, we, we have that biblical principle down. We do good at returning the tithe. But I think this is an area of weakness for us. We've got to get to the point to believe that God can do more in six days than what we think we can do in seven days. And again, just a reminder, this is not about church attendance. We'll get to that another time. This is just taking a day off. So guess what? I repented of my sins. And I said, Lord, from now on, I will observe a time off. Doesn't Saturday, Sunday. No, no, no. Don't, don't fall into that. You missed the point. The Sabbath was not created for you to be a slave to. It was a gift for you. The point is, the principle there is you need to take a day's rest off. So, Pastor, what, what will you do on your Sabbath? That's the wrong question. Or what, what, what will you not do on your Sabbath? I will do 
nothing that pertains to my job. I'm going to do a hobby. I'm going I'm to hang out with my kids. So well, this isn't very spiritual. No, actually, on the contrary, this is very spiritual. It's very spiritual. That, that's why I, I believe one of the reasons why, there's a couple different, I mean, we could go into reasons, reasons, reasons. Sister Cammy can provide even greater reasons because she's brilliant. But listen, I think this is one of the reasons why many of us still come to church consistently but are depressed and are laden with anxiety, and are physically ill because we're not observing the gift that God created for us. And we're literally working ourselves to death. Okay, here's my third point. The Sabbath brings healing. The Sabbath brings healing. You, the worship team did not know this. There's no way they knew this. But their last song in the worship set is my closing text, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 29. And I've never seen it through this, through this light before. Isaiah 40, 29, look at this. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait... Upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be. Have you ever read? I've read this text before and like, what? Who is that person that just. I'd like to meet that. I'd like to meet that dude because I don't. Mounting up with wings like eagles and running and not growing weary and walking and not faith. I don't know that person. And here's why. I think because we missed it. We missed the waiting. Which when you do the research on the Hebrew word, it means, it means to pause and to gather together. Those that wait upon the Lord. There's the key. Well, maybe, shoot, that's why this man was so foreign to me. Because I was not observing the gift and the principle that the Lord gave to me. And when I do, then my strength will be renewed. How about that? I will mount up with wings of eagles. I will run and not be weary. I will walk and not faint. Why? Because I'm observing the principles that the Lord has laid out in his word. Because I believe now that six days with the Lord's blessing goes further than seven days. And I know this is, a very, this is a very hard statement. And again, I only make it because God spoke this directly to me. And maybe this doesn't apply to you. Maybe you take three days off. I don't know. God bless you if you do. But I had to repent. I had to repent. I really did. And so it's only because of that that I make this statement. I think for those that feel like they need to work seven days a week, I really believe that it's a lack of trust in God. I think, I think when we commit to working seven days a week, especially after we see this principle in the Bible, that it's, it's pride that says, no, 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 I, 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 can, I, can, I, can, I can take care of it. I just got to do more. That's pride. No. 
God can do more with your 90%. God can do more with your six days. This is not about church attendance. We'll get to that. This is about just taking time off. The Sabbath was created for you. God's gift for you. One more scripture. Stand with me, please. One more scripture. Mark chapter 3, verse number 1, as you stand, and we're going to pray together. And I feel like the Lord wants to heal some people this morning, right where you're at. Right where you're at. I feel like God can heal you. One more text. Mark chapter 3. Here it is. And he entered the synagogue again, Jesus, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely. Watch, the Pharisees did. They watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. You know what the Pharisees' problem was? They thought they were created to be slaves to the Sabbath. They had the wrong thinking. Saturday or Sunday? No, it's Saturday because of this. No, it's Sunday because of that. You're wrong because you're doing it on Sunday. No, you're wrong because you're doing it on Sunday. And Jesus is saying, all y'all are wrong because you're missing the whole point. So they, they watched him to see if he would heal on the Sabbath so they could accuse him. And he said to the man, see, he, he, just, he says to the man with the withered hand, step forward. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill it? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved because of the hardness of their hearts. He finally just bypasses all of them. Forget all y'all. He says to the man, you, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as the other. Happened on the Sabbath day. They had the wrong mentality. Pharisees did. One other example, the Pharisees try to catch Jesus, and they, they said, hey, well, what if, you know, what if, a, what if a, you're a farmer and your goat falls in the ditch and on the Sabbath day? What, what do you do? Jesus said, what do you mean what you do? You pull it out. Watch. Because the Sabbath was created for you. You weren't created for the Sabbath. It was created for you. So Watch. Pastor, what, what, if, what if something happens on my, on my Sabbath day's rest? I got an emergency. What do I do? You take care of your emergency. You, you pull your goat out of, the, out of the ditch. But every one of you workaholics, hear me this morning. But if your goat falls in the ditch for five weeks in a row, you're a bad manager. manager I, I want us to have a time of healing this morning that's that's what I'm concerned about we have so many people this morning I want you to stay right where you're at right where you're at but would you close your eyes and would you ask the Lord Lord what are you saying to me this morning would you, would you just do me that favor